We meet today in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 1 to verse 26. Now, in our last study, we considered that Solomon had made tremendous experiments in the laboratory of life. He first gave himself to the study of the laws of nature, science. Then he gave himself to the area of wisdom and philosophy. In all these experiments, he came to the same conclusion that all is vanity. Now in chapter 2, we will find Solomon following another course to find satisfaction in life. This is a popular route for modern men who seek satisfaction in pleasure. To most people, unlimited money actually suggests unlimited satisfaction and a life filled with happiness and meaning. We may criticize the extravagant luxuries of others, being sure that we would be more spartan and generous if we had as much money. Thank God for those men and women of wealth who accept their responsibility for using money wisely. But there are only too many who envy the wealth and wish they had money to spend on the vain pleasures of the good life. So, let's look at Solomon's pursuit of satisfaction in pleasure. I said in my heart, Come now, I'll test you with myth, therefore enjoy pleasure. But surely this also was vanity. Ecclesiastes 2 verse 1. Solomon here probably tried everything known in the day in the way of pleasure. He had 1,000 wives and 300 concubines, and they were all available to him. A man who had a thousand women around him is some sort of an expert, if you like. Solomon tried that way to seek satisfaction. Also, he went in for drinking and for entertainment. He went all out for pleasure. But listen to him. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with myth. Therefore, enjoy pleasure. But notice his conclusion. But surely, this also was vanity, meaning this also was empty. I said of laughter, madness, and of myth, what does it accomplish? Ecclesiastes 2 verse 2. You see, Solomon surrounded himself with happy people who kept him amused. But even the jokes and the laughter grew stale. He probably had a comedian or a court jester to entertain him and tell him the latest jokes, probably many of them questionable. Even here, he said, I found this to be a great waste of time. To laughter, he said, madness. To myth, he said, what does it accomplish? I searched in my heart how to gratify my flesh with wine while guiding my heart with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the sons of men to do under heaven all the days of their lives. Ecclesiastes 2 verse 3. Again, we have under heaven used here. Remember that Solomon is a man probing and making experiments apart from God. Apart from God, he tended to sensual pleasures, such as the enjoyment of drink, 
which so easily becomes the folly of overindulgence. Yet he still kept a hold of himself so that he could analyze his experiences and see whether they prove to be the answers to all human desires. I made my works great. I built myself houses and planted myself vineyards. Ecclesiastes 2 verse 4. Now, for Solomon, these were like hobbies. Even today, the ruins of the stables of Solomon can be seen right in Jerusalem and in several other parts. At Megiddo, the ruins of the troughs where the horses ate are still there. Solomon had stables all over the land. Although the Mosaic law had expressly forbidden a king to multiply horses. Now, a sensible use of money may be a form of creativity. So, Solomon expressed himself in extensive buildings and planting of vineyards, fruits and trees and gardens. He was looking for satisfaction. He further goes on to say, I made myself gardens and orchards. I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made myself water pools from which to water the growing trees of the groove. Ecclesiastes 2 verse 5 and 6. You see, we are told here he had irrigation programs there. Naturally, Solomon actually did more than supervise the work. He had only to give the word and the slave did his bidding. He further goes on to say, I acquired male and female servants and had servants born in my house. Yes, I had greater possessions of heads and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. Ecclesiastes 2 verse 7. Solomon also determined to be the largest owner of cattle and sheep in the land. He did not lose sight of the need for an ever-increasing income and his position of holding the trading bridge between Egypt and Asia made him one of the wealthiest monarchies of the day. He had a range, if you like, out at the edge of the town where he raised cattle. You may be wondering how he could afford all this. Well, Solomon had cornered the gold in his day. He had plenty of spending money and he built in all the comforts of his life. It is now known that snow was brought down from Mount Hermon so that it could cool drinks in the summertime. And I think Solomon tried everything that a man could try for pleasure. I doubt that modern man could have anything that Solomon actually did not have. He experimented with everything. He tells us, I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the special treasures of kings and of the provinces. I acquired male and female singers, the delights of the sons of men, and musical instruments of all kinds. Ecclesiastes 2 verse 8. You see, as a connoisseur of music, he collected at the court the finest soloists and the choirs. He had all kinds of music from symphony to rock, if you like. 
but it didn't satisfy his heart. You see, seeking pleasure, satisfaction apart from God. So I became great and excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor. And this was my reward for all my labor. Ecclesiastes 2 verse 9 to verse 10. Now, there is an interesting phrase introduced here. The phrase, whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. It actually points to the last of the eyes intimated in First John chapter 2, verse 16. The preacher here experienced all the joyous sensations from a way of life characterized by the gratification of every whim within him. But when the temporary joy vanished, only the labor remained, a burdensome reminder of the fruitlessness of labor in itself and even the inadequacy of materialism. When the work ended, so did the enjoyment. This man went out all the way, whatever his eye, wished. You can almost imagine that he was walking down the street and he would look at a woman and say, I desire that woman. That woman already goes to the king's harem and he is walking and he says, I actually like uh, this house and that house begins to be his. Whatever his eye desired, he went there. My friend, that is a dangerous way of living. We often have the notion that all men who have reached Solomon's materialistic ideals would be happy. Well, I don't know why, but those people are not happy. It is the rich, the famous, the Hollywood movies and the television stars, the people who seem to have made it, are the ones who commit suicide. Why? They have come to the same conclusion that Solomon did. He had tried everything in the way of pleasure, and he concluded, Then I looked on all the works that my hands had done, and on the labor in which I had toiled, and indeed all was vanity and grasping for the wind. There was no profit under the sun. Ecclesiastes 2 verse 11 what a statement from a man who had everything. Many people will not take Solomon's word for it. They have to make the same experiments, although not to the extent that Solomon did. You would think a person who had all this should have expressed a sense of satisfaction. Well, when you have to go through what Solomon did, I tell you, you will still come to the same conclusion. Why do you have to go through that? My friend, life is empty. Solomon said it. Indeed, all was vanity and grasping after the wind. There was no profit under the sun. Throughout the remainder of this chapter, Solomon moves into another area. I wish I had a better word for it, but I simply call it materialism. 
Materialism is talking about living for now. And this should be understood by the people today because we say that we are the now generation. It is a materialistic concept. It is living for the here and now, living for self-selfishness. Each of these words describe a facet of this type of living. Listen to Solomon. Then I tend myself to consider wisdom and madness and folly. For what can the man do who succeeds the king? Only what he has already done. In other words, no one could live up more than Solomon did. He said they would have to repeat what he had done and would find it very monotonous. Isn't this interesting? My friend, whatever you may be wishing to do, you will never go past what Solomon had done. And you will come to the same conclusion. So he says, Then I saw that wisdom excels folly as light excels darkness. Ecclesiastes 2 verse 13 in other words, it is better to be a wise man than to be a fool. It is better to be an educated man than to be an ignorant person. The wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. Yet I myself perceived that the same event happens to them all. Ecclesiastes 2 verse 14 now, there is a contrast here between the wise man and a fool. The wise man truly sees and examines and takes hold of what has everlasting value. The fool, on the other hand, walks in darkness, stumbling and not knowing where he steps and where his steps will actually take him. Yet even the wise man, though far excelling the fool, is one day gone and is also forgotten. The wise man's eyes are in his head. It's an interesting statement. I have heard my parents and my school teachers say to me, use your mind, use your head, use your eyes. That is what Solomon is saying. A wise man uses his head and his eyes, but the fool walks in darkness. Yet I myself perceived that the same event happens to them all. Now, my friend, regardless of how smart you are, you don't really get too far from the fool because you both are going to be carried out, fit forward and laid to rest somewhere. You both will end up in the same way. A view of life from a human point of view is really saddening. So I said in my heart, as it happens to the fool, it also happens to me. And why was I then more wise? Then I said in my heart, this also is vanity. Now, you would think that a smart person would find another way out. Now, it is interesting that modern man, with all the tremendous inventions and scientific advances, modern man has not been able to extend human life very long. Men really hasn't done very much for himself here on the earth. So, all is vanity. For there is no more remembrance of the wise than of the fool forever. 
since all that now is will be forgotten in the days to come, and how does a wise man die as the fool? Ecclesiastes 2, verse 16. Now, you may be innately intelligent. You may have a high intelligent quotient. You may have been educated. You might even have several doctoral degrees, many degrees. But none of this will help you when it is your time to die. Neither will any of that stop you from dying. When it is your time to go out the door, you will go and there is nothing in this world that can keep you from it. Therefore I hated life because the work that was done under the sun was distressing to me for all is vanity and grasping for the wind. Ecclesiastes 2 verse 17. Now let me repeat it. Vanity means that which is empty, meaningless, purposeless. With all the work that was done under the sun, what has been done? Then I hated all my labor in which I had toiled under the sun because I must leave it to the men who will come after me. Ecclesiastes 2 verse 18. He says here, I have to go off and leave all of this to somebody else. Now, we know that Solomon faced this same kind of problem and First Kings chapter 12 tells us what happened. He left the kingdom to his son and it was his son's foolish arrogance that divided the kingdom. What a tragedy that was. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yet he will rule over my labor in which I toiled and in which I have shown myself wise under the sun. This also is vanity. Ecclesiastes 2 verse 19. Solomon here saw that it was a waste of time to work for something and then turn it over to a fool. Therefore I turned my heart and despaired of all the labor in which I had toiled under the sun. Ecclesiastes 2 verse 20. Notice again here that it is under the sun. It is the view of man apart from God. This is not the man who is seated in the heavenly places with Christ. No. This view under the sun always leads to pessimism. For all his days are sorrowful and his works burdensome. Even in the night his heart takes no rest. This also is vanity. Ecclesiastes 2 verse 23. You see here Solomon found out that it didn't do any good to worry about it because there was nothing he could do about it. Here is Ecclesiastes 2, verse 24 to verse 26. Nothing is better for a man than that he should eat and drink, and that his soul should enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw was from the hand of God. For who can eat, or who can have enjoyment more than I? For God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy to a man, who is good in his sight, but to the sinner he gives the work of gathering and collecting that he may give to him who is good before God. This also is vanity and grasping for the wind. Now this is the first of six occurrences 
of the book's refrain, which gives the reader, if you like, a relief from the otherwise pessimistic viewpoint from which life is being examined. God's blessing provides even the most mundane aspects of life, like eating and drinking. True enjoyment of the basics of life is possible, but even these natural gifts on the simplest and lowest level are not within man's power to bestow upon himself, but must come from a higher source. My friend, if you are living just for self, whether you are God's man or an unregenerate sinner, it will come to naught. It will lead to bitterness in your heart, and you will be holding nothing but dead leaves in your hands at the end. It is better to trust in the Lord, and your view of life will totally change, and you will also begin to have meaning and purpose and direction. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs, so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please write to The Living Word for Africa, P.O. Box 4232, Kempton Park 1620, South Africa. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for, and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me give you that address again. It's The Living Word for Africa, P.O. Box 4232, Kempton Park 1620, South Africa.